I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead and joining me, guest for the first time. From the Locked On Rockets podcast, but don't hold that against him. Jackson Gatlin, what you got for me? <laughs> What's up, man? I'm, I'm I'm happy to finally be here to be uh, behind enemy lines, so to speak. I teased that I'd be <laughs> doing this crossover with you on my most recent podcast over at Locked On Rockets, and that's exactly how I prefaced it. I said, you know what? I'm diving deep behind blue enemy lines, and we'll see where <laughs> this takes us today. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to talk to Jackson about all kinds of Rockets stuff. The Mavericks obviously played the Rockets on Friday, the very first game uh, that the two teams will be playing. We're excited for that actual scrimmage game. Uh, but before we get to all that, uh, first of all, today's sponsor, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. First, before we get to anything today, I think all of us, if you're a Mavericks fan, uh, read the story or saw the story about the uh, the SI article, another SI article about another sexual harassment, sexual assault accusation against the Mavericks executive. Um, that executive has been on this podcast, and so Isaac and I are kind of, you know, close to that situation. But we uh, we urge you guys to read the whole story, read the whole SI story, then read the Mavericks uh, statement that they put out. Then I think SI put another statement out after that. Uh, because the more statements come out, the cloudier it gets, and because of, it's so cloudy and everything like that, uh, because of the timing of it, we're not going to comment on it today, we're not really going to talk about it today, but we do want to express that it did happen, and it is a real complicated situation, um, you know, we feel for the, you know, the, the victim, the, uh, the accuser, we hope that everything is going well for her family, and hopefully uh, she has sought counseling and everything like that, we hope that, we would hope, and I'll just say this actually, I would hope that Cynthia Marshall, who was hired by Mark Cuban to kind of clean up all of this that happened last year, uh, all these accusations that came out, this this accusation happened after all of that happened. And so we would hope that Cynthia Marshall would take this seriously. We would hope that she has looked into everything and we you know, hope and trust that she did her due diligence and that she would go and try and find, you know, the actual truth of this and do the right thing, especially for, you know, something as sensitive as this situation. And so... I would like to trust Cynthia Marshall in this situation, and if Cynthia Marshall says that this is, you know, you cannot prove this and that, that there was not enough to, you know, fire, you know, the executive or anything like that, then I would like to side with her. However, we know, we, we know far too well that, um, you know, that it is within corporate interest to keep, you know, employees on, you know, and keep the... the the company's name clear and all that kind of stuff. And there is just so complicated of a situation right now. So uh, I don't think we're going to be taking sides on it, but we just hope that, you know, hoping we would think that Cynthia Marshall would do the right thing. And that's what we're going to hope. And maybe Isaac and I will talk about this later, but I wanted to just mention that at the, at the start, because it was one of the biggest stories in the NBA today. And so I wanted to mention that, but today I'm going to be talking with Jackson Gatlin about the Houston Rockets, about all the stuff that's going to be going on, the Mavericks have been apparently preparing for the Rockets for at least a week, Lucas said last night after the uh, after the game on Tuesday. So they're getting ready for you guys. They're, they're ready for you guys to step up and to uh, to play them. First of all, what are you anticipating for this game to feel like? Do you think this is going to be a playoff atmosphere, at least from the player's side, or do you think that this is going to be just you know another regular season-type game? 
You know, it's really interesting because it's going to be it's it's tough to say between those two because it feels like there's a lot of teams and, you know, not just out of the Rockets organization, but a lot of teams that maybe aren't necessarily going to be taking these eight seeding games as seriously as maybe the the final eight games like jockeying for playoff positioning because hey we don't have actual home court advantage that doesn't exist so i feel like a lot of teams going into these eight seeding games are going to be using them as more tune-up games to get ready for the playoffs for the games that actually matter but i do think that this game there's a lot riding on it in the sense that right now the rockets are just a what is it a game and a half ahead of the mavericks in the standings. oh don't pretend like you don't know the number jackson <laughs> Come on, you you feel the Mavericks coming right behind you, right on your they tail. Are, you can hear the footsteps, right Jackson. Dude, we can hear them galloping, man. They're right there. Um, <laughs> hey, just and, don't pull the gun out and and, uh, and shoot them. Oh well, hey, you know it's it's a water gun now, so I think we're safe. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, this game there's a lot of implications riding on it from a seeding standpoint. To where it, you know if the Rockets pull out the W, suddenly you've got a two and a half game cushion over the Mavericks. If you lose this game from a Rocket standpoint or from a Maverick standpoint, then you're only a half game back, and suddenly then that that wild wild west, the the three through seven seeds, suddenly becomes a whole lot closer, and there's going to be a whole lot of shifting that could potentially happen. Now it, you could still recover from that if that happens you know for from a rocket standpoint but again I think that based on what we've seen out of at least James Harden through the three scrimmage games uh you know leading into the eight seeding games he looks ready to go I mean by by far the leading scorer out of all the different scrimmage matchups you know dropped 30 points in a half against the Celtics and I know it was like they're like G League roster, but, you know, 30 <laughs> points and a half is still is still substantial. So I'm excited for the game, and I think they're going to come in and take it pretty seriously. Yeah, uh, I saw Carson Edwards dunk. That was the most impressive thing I saw during that game, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there was some other individual moments from that game that, you know, kind of stood out. But um, by and large, you know, I, I think a lot of people were a little... Mm, Rockets fans are very bipolar, let's just put it that way. And, and you know... I think a lot of Rockets fans were a little disappointed with Westbrook throughout the three scrimmage games. And I'm like, look, the dude just came back from, you know, having COVID-19, like get, cut him some slack. He's not going to be going 100% in scrimmages that don't matter. He'll be right as rain come Friday night when he's actually playing against, you know, playing in a game that counts for something. So we know that Westbrook is back. He's been, he's played in all three scrimmage games. Is that correct? And he, uh, um, you know, he's going to be playing against the Mavericks. Eric Gordon is not going to play. We know that he is out with some kind of ankle issue. Yeah, it looked like a potentially a high ankle sprain. I can't. Uh, it's. I'm not sure exactly what it's been classified as yet. But it, his his timetable is you know at at minimum two to three weeks. But for the Rockets, are all the rest of the Rockets players in the bubble? Because it's been so hard to keep track of all the players and who's in and who's not. Are, are all the Rockets players in the bubble? Besides, you know, I guess Eric Eric Gordon maybe. Well, uh, yeah, I think Eric Gordon's still in the bubble. They they haven't, uh, you know, taken him out uh, to do, you know, to do any any type of, you know, significant work or anything. Um, you know, they they did X-rays like immediately after the injury, which turned out negative. But uh, all the Rockets are present and accounted for. Austin Rivers did take a trip out of the bubble uh, briefly for a family emergency, which you know his family he's he's located in Orlando, so he might you know might have just been a quick you know, drive down a couple blocks down the street. Uh, but either way, he still had to quarantine for the uh, four days after re uh, returning to the bubble, but he made it in time for that final rocket scrimmage. So everybody else is there. Uh, Luke Mbamute, who was one of the Rockets uh, emergency signings after Tabo Cephalosha opted out of the uh, season restart. 
has joined the team, and he's the other Rocket that tested positive, or at least confirmed uh, that he tested positive for COVID-19, although he actually did experience uh, many of the symptoms associated with it, as opposed to Westbrook, who was largely asymptomatic uh, throughout his uh, two weeks that he was quarantined. Man, it just hits everybody in such different ways. It's, it's so hard to try and pinpoint this and you know people in my family are saying like oh we shouldn't take this so seriously a lot of these people don't show symptoms it's like man you never know who's going to show symptoms and who's not i mean it could be a completely healthy person that shows symptoms it's, just, it's pretty wild to me that this virus how almost random it is at times you know you can have you can have you know type 1 diabetes or all the things that they say are, are really bad signs and have no symptoms and live through it i mean it's just so random hey, man, it seems I, at I, time. believe it or not actually uh it's funny you mentioned that i'm actually a type 1 diabetic so yeah no it's it's uh you know concerning from that uh, standpoint as, as being somebody who has a you know pre-existing condition that you know if i were to catch it could be could make things a lot more complicated and i know a lot of people who after everything started kind of snowballing, you know, in, in late February, early March, and then things started really getting serious, there were a lot of people that came out on, you know, social media and Reddit, especially just thinking, you know, kind of vocalizing and saying, man, I'm, I'm pretty sure I might have had COVID like back in like December, January before it became so widespread because they talked about having, you know, flu-like symptoms and all these different things that they just kind of dealt with for like a week or two back in December. And so it, it really is crazy just knowing you know, how unpredictable everything is and still is, even though we're, you know, four or five months into this now, how crazy it all seems. Completely. And we're, we're still, I mean, we're in the heat of it, Texas, especially uh, I live in Florida and the bubbles in Florida and we're still hitting, you know, pretty high highs here with numbers. So, all right, coming up, let's get into some more about the Rockets. I want to talk about the rotation expectations, misconceptions about small ball, which I'm, I'm sure you're not done talking about. You can't have gotten tired of talking about the small ball already, Jackson. Just I'm, not at all. I love talking small ball and we'll do it as much as you're willing to do on this podcast. It can't be done yet. So we'll talk about that. But before we do start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes, Axios today hosts Neela Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insights into the trends that shape our world. Go subscribe to that podcast where Ever you get your podcast just 10 minutes to start your day off and to hear everything you need and also jackson i'm sure you have a, a you know a car that you need some work on i have cars i need worked on uh and the place to do that is rockauto.com all the parts that you need just go to the website you can go to the make model car the year everything that you need just straight down the list it's so easy to navigate you can find the exact parts you need order them it comes straight to your door we've been talking about covid we've been talking about the bubble i don't know jackson have you seen the delivery room i think rachel nichols did a room on that uh, did a story on this about the delivery room in the uh, the bubble where there's a thousand packages a day that come through there. I did see that briefly. I wasn't able to to, to watch the video because it popped over my timeline. Uh, but I will be definitely looking into that. It's wild just to see all these packages come in. The NBA NBA players, right? There's 35 staff members and players per team. So that's, it's not even that many players, but they're ordering a thousand packages a day. They've said a couch has come through there. They've said all kinds of different things have come through, you know, the bubble and you could get auto parts delivered right to the bubble. They could get it from rockauto.com if they wanted to. You can get it delivered anywhere straight to your door. You don't have to go out. Don't have to go to any of these brick and mortar stores. Rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Rockauto.com is a shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You're getting them from all over the place. This is your one-stop shop. It's a catalog that's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you want to spend up to twice as much at a dealer or at 
you know, a body shop or at one of those brick and mortar stores for the same exact parts. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us box? They know that we sent you right in Locked On. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right, Jackson, let's get into some let's get into some small ball just a little bit. First of all, I want to know about the Rockets rotation. Who are you expecting to be in the rotation? Let's go a normal regular season rotation and then maybe what do you think the shortened playoff version is because uh, that's who we're probably going to play on Friday. So here's the funny story, right? Uh, their regular rotation and their shortened playoff rotation might be basically the exact same thing because right. hello and welcome to Mike D'Antoni, who is a fan <laughs> of short rotations, regardless of how many times he says uh, to the media, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to expand my rotation. I'm looking at using nine or ten guys. And just time and time again, we've seen <laughs> it not uh, develop and that is a frustrating thing that just happens time and time again with him as the head coach of this uh, franchise now unfortunately losing Eric Gordon is a significant blow and kind of a, a shock to to everyone was the fact that Mike D'Antoni came out and basically said yeah Eric Gordon's going to be our starting small forward moving forward and that was kind of a head scratcher at first because of two reasons one uh, unfortunately Eric Gordon hasn't really performed as well as he normally has in a Rockets jersey this season. He came into the season maybe a little bit overweight, you know, not quite prepared to start the season off right, and then played about 10 games and then went down, had to have the 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 knee looked at, got that worked on, came back, and just still quite couldn't get into the flow of things. So Daniel House Jr. in his as his replacement was a phenomenal starter and, in fact, one of the best Rockets lineups in kind of a limited sample size during small ball with uh, – Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Daniel House Jr., P.J. Tucker, and Robert Covington, that lineup has an insane, like, plus-minus in about, like, 164 minutes played together. So it was a shock as to why D'Antoni would deviate from that lineup, which is, you know, largely tried and true as far as small ball goes. But he said, you know, Eric Gordon's going to be our starter, and now he's gone. He's out of the picture, (laughs) at least for two to three weeks. So Daniel House Jr. will absolutely be the starter. Mike D'Antoni confirmed that, uh, you know, or just earlier today as we record this on a a Wednesday. And, you know, he basically explained, look, we'll we'll use House moving forward. So that – Kind of turns Austin Rivers into your sixth man type guy who's he's he's basically been in that role much of the season as is because of the absence of Eric Gordon. So you're looking at a a starting lineup of Westbrook Harden, Daniel House Jr., Robert Covington at the four, PJ Tucker at the five. And Austin Rivers is going to be your big minutes man off the bench. Now, a a guy who has been a, you know, welcome surprise and, and it's kind of. I see a lot of other fan bases kind of chiming in with the whole up. Oh, here's another here's another organization that's buying into Jeff Green and that's going to be disappointed <laughs> come playoff time. And here's my two cents on that. Right. Is largely every organization before this has bought into Jeff Green, the wing player. And he has never been in a position where he's been able to be Jeff Green, the backup small ball five in a system where he doesn't have to play on the wing against guys who might, you know, have a bit more lateral quickness than him, who might be able to beat him off the dribble in a system that prioritizes switching everything. Uh, And yes, he's going to get targeted when he's on the on the floor and he's. Not, maybe not quite a turnstile on defense, but defense is definitely not his strong suit. But in this, in the three scrimmage games of what I've seen so far, in the minutes that he has played, it looks like the Rockets 
have kind of this understanding that defensively they can't leave him on an island on the perimeter, and they've been using, um, so you know, some some help defenders, kind of you know, the guys in the slots, kind of cheating off their men to make sure that Jeff's not on a, not on an island by himself right there at the top of the key against a smaller guard if it is a switch, things like that. And offensively, he's been out of this world as the backup five for this uh, small ball roster. So. I think that it's going to be those seven guys that are going to get a a majority of the minutes moving forward. That's kind of your top seven rotation. But then you've also got you know Ben McLemore and Damari Carroll, who Ben McLemore has completely uh, reinvented himself as a Houston Rocket. 83% of his shots are taken from downtown, which is just absurd. When you look at his uh, shooting splits from before he became a Houston Rocket and then now, he has completely bought into what Daryl Morey wants to do as far as prioritizing threes, uh, layups, dunks, and free throws. And for the most part, he just sits on the three-point line and keeps uh, you know, getting those shots up. And then Damari Carroll, another guy alongside Jeff Green, who came in kind of right before the hiatus, got signed to a you know contract for the remainder of the season, and has shown spurts of being a guy who could potentially be a rotation guy, but he's been in D'Antoni's doghouse a little bit, probably kind of at the end of that rotation. But now with Eric Gordon going down, he'll probably get a little bit more run. And then Luka Mbamute kind of remains to be seen how he's recovering, uh, but it doesn't look like he's likely to get any minutes really at all moving forward. So I think that's going to be the Rockets' top eight guys right there. So you're buying into Jeff Green, backup five. I can tell you're sold. I'm not. I'm not quite. So I'm cautiously, slightly optimistic sure. about it again, just because he has looked good, and, and I feel like again a, a ten game, ten games during the regular season, and then a little three game sample size of these scrimmages. It's just it's a role that we've never seen him be able to play before, and so far it's looked pretty good. But I'm ready to potentially be disappointed moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're right there with with uh, Justin Jackson, I think. <laughs> We're right there as Mavs fans about there with him as the mm-hmm. backup uh, three or four. Okay, so this small ball that they've been running. So they don't play any centers. First of all, is Tyson Chandler ever going to play? He didn't play in any of the scrimmage games. NBA champion Tyson Chandler on your roster. Do you think he gets any minutes at all throughout this whole bubble? Honestly, I really don't see it. And, you know, Mike D'Antoni kind of mentioned that the reason and th- this was something that kind of came to came to light for me because the Rockets recently waived a promising up and coming center in Isaiah Hartenstein to make room to sign David Nwaba, who's not even going to be participating in the bubble as he's rehabbing an Achilles tear from earlier the season. So a, a young, promising, versatile defensive wing in David Nwaba. And a lot of people were scratching their heads like, why would you get rid of Isaiah Hartenstein when you have aging Tyson Chandler and Tabo Cephalosha? You could have easily waived either one of those guys guys to make room for the David Nwaba signing, especially if he's not playing any minutes this season. And, pardon me, it actually made a great deal of sense because MDA came out and said that Tyson actually replicates what other teams with traditional centers do defensively to guard small ball. So in practices, when they're running five on five during during practices and things like that, Tyson is able to replicate what other big centers would do. So, you know, what potentially Kristaps Porzingis would look like against the Rockets or Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert. The list goes on and on and on for how other opposing centers will guard this five out lineup from Houston. And I know that maybe Isaiah Hartenstein could have replicated that as well, but isn't it kind of nice to have former defensive player of the year, former, you know, champion Tyson yeah, Chandler? Yeah, yeah, say that. NBA, 2011 that NBA champion. You can say, you you can say the Absol- full thing. 
I, I, well, I'll let you plug the full thing. That's your that's your stick. No. I just want to hear you. I just want to hear you say it. All right, NBA champion 2011. <laughs> okay, uh, but seriously, you know, having him to be able to quarterback a defense in practice, and I know it's just practice, but f- for getting you know close to or similar to real game reps of what another you know defensive-minded center might potentially be able to accomplish against small ball, it makes a lot of sense as to why they opted to keep him on the roster, and then also just from a, a chemistry standpoint, you know, he's a veteran, he's been there, done that, um, able to provide some you know mentorship to this guy to these guys, and I. I know they're largely a veteran team, but still just having that kind of uh, presence, that guy who's been there and accomplished it already before is probably something that they wanted to maintain. So the Rockets small ball, let's go, let's go to that now. So you talk about you know, Tyson Chandler's there basically to replicate what they do in practice. What do you think is a, a misconception about the Rockets small ball? Everyone's making their jokes and laughing. Ha ha. Look at the Rockets. And, you know, they don't play anybody over, you know, six, eight or six, six, seven or whatever. Uh, what's a misconception that you're seeing from national media or, you know, even local media that's playing against the Rockets. What do you see? That's a misconception out there. So I think the biggest one is just that it's, um, I think small ball is a misnomer. It's it's not really small ball. It's more skill ball. And skill ball is not nearly as catchy, so that's never going to catch on. And it's way more pretentious. And just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really is. Daryl Morey has been looking to acquire certain types of players, and it's these players who are versatile, who can guard multiple positions, ideally like one through five on the court, or at least like two through five comfortably, so that they can continue to prioritize their switch everything defensive scheme, so that they can space out the floor. And yes, it just so happens to be that these players tend to be you know, smaller than average size for their positions, but and I don't have the chart pulled up in front of me, and I wish I did, um, he's also been acquiring and looking to get players who actually have substantial wingspans, believe it or not. So a lot of the guys on the Rockets rosters yeah, have... Yeah, Covington, Tucker. Yeah. Even Nawaba, um, I think he has a pretty long wings. But we talk about guys in the draft that are rectangles, right? Their wingspan is longer than their height, and those three guys, definitely. Exactly. And so that's something that, you know, when you look at it, is just looking at like Robert Covington, for example. Yeah, he's six, seven, but he has a seven foot two wingspan. And so guys like that are, you know, they, they still provide you a little bit of that kind of uh, that verticality to throw that meme out there. Um to to still be able to defend at the rim and we've seen as soon as Robert Covington joined the Rockets he had a streak where he was averaging over three blocks a game for it was six six games in a row and the only other Rocket to have ever done that was Hakeem Olajuwon so anytime you're mentioned in the same uh, breath as you know the great Hakeem Olajuwon you're doing something right on the court uh, you know arguably one of the best defensive players to ever play the game so I do think that that's kind of the misnomer is that it's not just small ball because all the players are short. Yes, they just so happen to not have anybody taller than six seven in the starting lineup. But that's also something that Jeff Green gives them a little bit more of a guy with a little bit more size at six nine, uh, a little bit more body mass to potentially go up against some of the other guys. But they're not they're not gonna at any point. You know, you asked me about Tyson Chandler. I don't think MDA is gonna cave. I don't think he's going to suddenly you know be up against a matchup against you know, a Joel Embiid or a Nikola Jokic or Kristaps Porzingis and say, you know what, I need a guy out there with some height to actually contest this guy. He's going to make opposing teams try to match up to small ball and not cave and try to match up to opposing teams, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Coming up, let's talk about Kristaps Porzingis, talk about what he means playing against this Rockets team. We'll talk about Rockets expectations, all that coming up. All right, Jackson. So 
what are the Rockets' expectations right now? So you as a fan, maybe it's different than what the team has expectations for. What do you expect the Rockets to – how far do you expect the Rockets to go? How, what do you expect from the Rockets in the playoffs, and what do you think the team expects? Well, there, there's there been a lot of discussion, right, about whether this is Mike D'Antoni's last year here in Houston as the head coach. And I think that all things considered with what happened with the hiatus and the unusual turn of events that – you know, all sports are facing right now. I I can see MDA getting another crack at it next season, whatever next season actually looks like. But heading into this year, I was a firm believer in that the minimum, the the bar was a competitive Western Conference Finals, and that anything short of that would be would lead to the separation of Mike D'Antoni from the Houston Rockets organization. Now, I don't think Daryl Morey's going anywhere. He he is safe with his job. He's proven himself to be a top five or potentially even a top three general manager in the league. And even with the whole Rockets and, and China situation from the start of the NBA season, if he would have lost his job, it would have happened during that. It would have been a overreaction to that entire situation at the start of the season. So I don't see him losing his job anytime in the near future unless he decides he wants to leave. So when you look at a team that's largely locked in to two guys in Russell Westbrook and James Harden, uh, they've committed a lot of money to Eric Gordon, who, you know, hopefully fingers crossed uh, can find a way to remain healthy moving forward because he was largely healthy up until this season uh, as a Houston Rocket for a guy who struggled with injuries before making it to the Rockets organization. That's usually the opposite in Rockets history is guys have been healthy and then they make it to the Rockets and then the injury bug starts to really get them. So uh, hopefully he's he's able to find his health. But really, there's not anywhere else to improve for this organization unless you're looking at improving uh, like when you're talking about improving at the margins, trying to find some way to find a competitive edge, the only way would be to potentially improve your coaching situation. And so I think that their expectation still probably remains the same is a competitive Western Conference Finals at a minimum where they might be looking to you know, depart from the Mike D'Antoni era of Rockets basketball. So for Mike D'Antoni, it's Western Conference Finals or bust. I mean, and, you know, it's so tough. It's really tough to say it like that, but it is. And, and you know, that might not be a fair shake to to D'Antoni, but they've been there. They've done that, right? They, they went to seven games with the Warriors. Obviously, the Chris Paul hamstring gets brought up all the time. And I don't know where you stand on this, you know, looking back at that series. In fact, let's ask you, do, do you think had Chris Paul not been injured, do you think the Rockets would have gone on to win that series and potentially the title that year? Man, such a tough question. Um I don't think so. I kind of believe I kind of believe in destiny a little bit, and maybe that's partly the NBA's destiny. I think the 2006 Mavericks, <laughs> yeah, I have something to say about that as well. Um, but I, th- I think the Warriors still would have won. Okay, and that's and that's fair. But when you look at it, just how close they've been and how competitive they've been in the James Harden era. You know, it's tough to just if they were to take another to take a, a second round defeat or even you know, uh, God forbid, a first round exit. That would just look really bad. So I and I don't even think that making it to the Western Conference Finals would count if it's not a competitive series. So if you make it there but you get knocked out, you know, five, you know, four games to one or four to two, and it's not a truly competitive series, 
even against teams that are, you know, largely, you know, uh, agreed upon that are better than the Rockets in the Lakers and the Clippers, even if you went up against one of those teams, I still think the expectation is to make it a competitive series. Now, whether or not that can happen, look, the Rockets are a team, you know, a lot like the Mavericks where either of those teams can get hot. Uh, You know, they're the two best offensive teams in the association prior to the hiatus. Mavericks at number one, Rockets a couple points uh, behind at number two. And on any given night, either of those two teams can get insanely hot and be a handful to deal with in a potential seven-game series. But likewise, you can also hit some cold stretches where suddenly three balls not falling. You know, the defense is not is not phenomenal for either of these two uh, ball clubs, and you know that could be that could end in a very uh, upsetting series for either team. Playing the Mavericks on Friday, what? scares you the most as like a Rockets fan or as somebody that covers the Rockets? Is it Kristaps Porzingis or Luka Doncic? Scares me the most is honestly Luka. Um, and it's just because when you watch him play, you know, I one, I'm just awestruck whenever I watch him play. It feels and it feels like he's really taken it to the Rockets. The the what is it? Every Five time times that he's played again. <laughs> Every time. I mean, since his know, rookie year. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking back and I was like, well, he didn't play that second matchup this season and they were still only able to just eke out a win. Um, So he scares me just just as a general blanket statement. Luca scares me, period. But then Porzingis is a guy who, you know, he feasted on the rebounds in this last meetup. uh, And I specifically remember in the fourth quarter, there was a a surge by the Mavericks where they were really kind of getting back into the game if memory serves. And I know it's been a long time, but so I hope I'm not, you know, making stuff up here. But they dominated the glass in that game in the fourth quarter specifically. And I remember this was pre-official small ball, Eric. Right. Clint Capella missed that game and P.J. Tucker started at center, but they didn't have Robert Covington yet. Right. So... Wasn't quite official small ball era, but man, they got demolished on the boards. I think the Mavs. It was were like plus sixty 15. to forty something. Yeah, it was it was a ridiculous disparity. And believe it or not, James Harden had sixteen rebounds in that game because I remember he was looking the at the one. notes <laughs> earlier today. Yeah, he was the only and like even Russell Westbrook <laughs> wasn't on the boards. I mean, he had like six rebounds. So I do think that. Porzingis is going to be able to affect the game on both ends of the court just by obviously, you know, the Rockets not being able to crash the offensive glass, but also just uh, him himself offensively being able to, you know, potentially have a monster night just by the sheer fact that he's going to be operating, you know, near the basket a little bit and be able to potentially soak up some offensive rebounds just because he's so big and there's nobody else that can really contest or contend with that. Now, I will say that one of the individual matchups that I'm looking forward to, and this is, um, it's always weird discussing individual matchups when you talk about the Rockets because they switch everything so much. But that doesn't mean that they don't still have a few matchups where it's like, hey, before we start switching everything, this is your designated you know, man. And I do think that they're going to probably put Robert Covington on Kristaps Porzingis for exactly that reason we mentioned earlier, you know, his seven foot two wingspan. And so I want to see how that matchup goes and see if Covington's able to make things difficult for Porzingis or if it's just going to be, you know, rise up and shoot over him. Uh, you know, that one's going to be interesting to me. Yeah, that one's going to be fascinating because he's been he's been able to take advantage of these slower bigs with like his off the dribble game. Like he's he's been able to he took off, he took Horford off the off the dribble the other day. Uh, man, it's just it's kind of interesting to watch him do that. But uh, a, a player that's used to guarding out on the perimeter to see what he does and how Carlisle changes the matchup for him there. Uh, last question I'll have for you: If the Rockets play the Mavericks in the let's say the first round of the playoffs, how many games do you think the Mavericks win? Oh man! Um, you can follow Jackson Gatlin at JT Gatlin. 
depending on whatever his answer is, you can uh, <laughs> send love or hate his way. You know, this is such an interesting one. I really genuinely feel like a series between the Rockets and Mavericks could go either way. I don't necessarily think there's a favorite between the two. And I think that's because they're so – they really are just similar, not necessarily in style, but just they're both offensive juggernauts. The Top two, two three-point shooting teams. Exactly. Whoever and hits more. We we know that that can come back to bite you in the ass. And so, like I said earlier, either team could get hot against any of the other playoff teams and be a handful to deal with. But it's going to come down to, um, you know, one thing that I harp on a lot over at Locked on Rockets is the the Rockets transition defense. It is abysmal. And they're they're a pretty stellar half court uh, defensive team, but it's about all those opportunities that they give up in transition, um, just not getting back, you know, effort, whatever you want to call it. And so in a seven game series against the Mavericks, I really could see it going either way. So, you know, potentially three or four games, maybe, a, you know, a really competitive seven game series. I take a seven game series of that for sure. I, I don't I my heart probably couldn't take it. but <laughs> I, It would be it would be good as a basketball fan. Hell yeah, it would be a great series as a basketball fan. I absolutely also really want a Rockets Clippers series because there's a lot of bad blood there and a lot of for interesting sure. dynamics with Austin Rivers and Doc Rivers, Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, Paul George defecting from OKC, all sorts of different things. And if it's going to be in the first round, the Mavericks would absolutely love to have the Rockets play them instead of the Mavericks play the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure I'm sure that, you know, sitting in the seventh spot, looking down the barrel at a potential Clippers first round matchup is not very pleasant at the at the current junction. Yeah, let's uh, entice Lou Williams with all the chicken wings he wants. So just uh, let's try to get as many of those players out of the bubble as possible if the Mavericks are going to play that. Hey, hey, it's, you know, National Chicken Wing Day. So what better day to try and entice <laughs> Lou Williams with some more wings, right? There you go. It's Jackson Gatlin. You'll, you can follow him. I'll put the link in the description of this podcast. I'm going over. Actually, I'm just going to go right now. I'm going to go over to the Lockdown Rockets podcast. So if you didn't get enough Mavericks, Mavericks talk in your Locked On Mavericks podcast today. Go ahead and check out Locked On Rockets today. Listen to me. I'll probably just talk just as much as Jackson did about the Mavericks over there. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Boom.